Welcome to Raise the Line with Osmosis from Elsevier, seeking solutions with leading experts on how to increase healthcare capacity so people can get the care they need during the pandemic and beyond. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Raise the Line. In this special episode, we'll be talking to one of the winners of the 2022 Osmosis Raise the Line Faculty Awards, who was chosen from over 1,000 nominations we received from 377 institutions around the globe, with their students and colleagues submitting videos and testimonials telling us how they embody the six Osmosis core values. Today, we're joined by Michael Moore, who is the overall winner for the physician assistant category. And uh, thanks very much for joining us and congratulations. Thank you very much. Happy to be here today. So instead of me reading a lot of stuff about you, why don't you tell us more about who you are and what you do there at the University of Michigan? Happily. So hi, everybody. My name is Michael Moore, as was stated. I'm a PA faculty at the University of Michigan, Flint, located in Flint, Michigan. And I've been, this is our, it's a new program. So this is our third cohort that just started in January. So we're still having the life lessons that we've learned as faculty. Um, I also taught at a program that was also a brand new program in rural Indiana, near um, central Indiana, south of Indianapolis. So definitely love getting programs up and running and seeing the excitement on the students' faces every day. What are some of the bigger challenges launching a program? Mm, for developing a, a new program, I mean, it's already a full-time job seven days a week, just being a faculty teaching and the administrative stuff that we have to do to keep the place open. Um, but that's also doubled by sort of the best analogy I've heard was building a plane while flying it. And so it's a fun, um, it's a fun job. We get a lot of reward out of it. It's a lot of work and I see it in my students every day. They're out there on the clinical rotations now and it's rewarding when I hear the stories of, I got to see this today, or I did this, I did this procedure. It all makes sense after seeing it and applying it. So the thank yous are long down the road, but we are, we're here and happy to do it every day. Yeah, that's great. So tell us uh, about your earlier background and, and how you got started in a career in education. Yeah. So my first job as a 16-year-old was a lifeguard at the YMCA in the city near I lived. And I was with them for about a decade that could have taken better jobs with better hours and better pay. But I liked the community aspect of that very early on, wanted to just do a little bit more than was expected, took like kind of like a training role for CPR classes, lifeguard courses for staff, for the community. And every job I've had since then kind of had some educational aspect to it, whether it be working on an ambulance or a few other side jobs I did um, within like swimming and coaching and things like that. Before PA school, I thought I might end up in education in some aspect, didn't even know about the profession until my sophomore year of college when my anatomy professor started talking about different career paths in education and medicine, and things started clicking. So very early on into my career as a PA, I'm like, any student I can find, even if they're not there for my particular specialty, hey, are you? do you have five minutes? Are you bored? Come see something cool. And <laughs> kind of just ran with that full time. So that's this sort of seems like uh, in your DNA to to want to teach. I think so. I I never call myself a teacher. I have plenty of friends that do elementary school, high school. They're teachers. I could never do it. I'm here for people that have worked a long time and chose to be here voluntarily, not because they were told to be here and they're really excited to learn about the material. I could never be a math teacher. I'm not great at math myself. So happy to have these students that um, have given up a lot themselves to be here and we can learn together. Who are some of the teachers that inspired you along the way? 
well, professionally, definitely my leadership positions that I, I followed for my director at my first institution. He was a, a big influence program director. I, I went to that job sight unseen, had never been to Indianapolis before, but just talking to him on the phone, I'm like, this guy knows what's going on and what the needs are for PAs and for medicine, just in general, especially for those underserved areas. Well, before that, I mentioned my my undergrad A&P professor. He was known as the toughest guy that there was and had pass rates that were lower than the other ones, but he really demanded a lot from his students. And you could see, despite his kind of hard persona, that he really expected a lot from the students and because the responsibility is so awesome for potential. It was a pre-med kind of weed-out class, essentially. And I don't like that term, but that's kind of how he, he taught the course. And I take certain aspects of that. I don't want to weed anybody out, but I, I definitely love the high expectations of people that want to go into this career path is that there will be sacrifices made. So he was instrumental in that. My own faculty, I went to school in Detroit at Wayne State University for undergrad and for grad school. And so definitely my faculty were inspiring. They're all practicing physician assistants and still have time to teach us the ins and outs of medicine. And my current faculty that I work with, as well as my program director I work with now, she was actually one of my teachers when I was in um, in grad school. And then finally, from a more personal perspective, my mom has been there for forever and inspiring me. And my my grandparents were really instrumental. They one of my birthday gifts was a stethoscope when they knew I heard about the PA <laughs> program. Like, this you might need this in the future. My my grandma was a nurse for a long time, and so she was always very interested in what was going on in school. Was your mother a teacher too? Um, not so much a teacher. She's had different jobs, but I think more so from like the role of mother, just teaching how to be a, a good human is what she does the best. But I do have some teachers in the family, so I'm sure somewhere in the genes it has been passed on. Yeah, right. Oh, that's great. So uh, in order to win the award, you received a lot of nominations and testimonials from students and colleagues. And um, I'm afraid I'm going to have to embarrass you now and mm. read a little bit of that uh, just so people get a flavor for it. So Professor Moore has been a phenomenal professor. He cares so much. He spends a lot of his time putting effort into his lectures and to his students. He stays after class to help. He provides us playlists on osmosis for every module we're learning. He's kind, caring, and deserves to be considered for this nomination. He always recommends us to reach further and learn more. He provides us material we need to know and provides us with material that we should know because it will benefit us. He's intelligent and caring. So what's your reaction to all that? Um, whenever there's positive, I don't take uh, positive feedback. I, I, it takes me a little while to accept it because I'm always hard on myself for things that could have gone better or should have gone better. And it's it's a little humbling for sure. And I most of the feedback I get for after courses are things that people didn't like. So it's always nice to hear that the process is working. And sometimes you, I, we always tell them to trust the process because you go 12, 16 months of just nonstop education. Then you start seeing patients in your rotation phase. And you're like, it actually starts making sense. And it's always retrospective. Oh, that made sense why we did that in that order. Um, so I, I like to hear that that things are working. The students are learning. They appreciate the hard work that they have to do to get the knowledge base to serve their patients. And so I will always take it with a grain of salt. Like, oh, no, no, I could I could do better. But the appreciation, it does not um, get lost on myself. That's great. So is there a osmosis value that you feel you embody the best and why? 
Sure. So I, I did look them up to see what those values were, and I thought it was pretty cute, the the body system approach as well. Naturally, you guys are all about the science. And I didn't see one that specifically jumped out more than another. I think they're all sort of required for a good healthcare provider and a student learner to really be there for your patients. And I did make a note so I could refer back to um, which one I thought in terms of like the heart and really just caring for my student learners. Because again, they I, there's a lot of jobs you could do that are easier and pay better money, but they're here for a reason. And that's really advocating for their patients. And I appreciate that they're dedicating their time, their money, their mental sanity to be here and learn with us, um, spreading joy, nothing. Certain topics are more fun to learn than others and trying to make something fun out of it, whether it be a funny meme in a lecture or a video to something um, like popular on TV that might be able to relate the content a little bit more. It's just better than me having to sit up there and talk at you for two hours, um, maybe drawing out complex cervical um, or brain anatomy, things that make the concepts make a little more sense. Imagination, just new styles of ways of learning. It's not just lectures. Can you learn by doing a like a Jeopardy style review game? Or can you learn by drawing? Can you learn by just teaching me what you know about the topics? And probably reaching out further again is medicine, NPPA. It's all lifelong learning. You're not going to walk out knowing everything. You'll know a lot, but there's much more to learn. And I think that's a, a great thing. The, the job is not done. You see your patients, you do your work, but something happened that day that I could probably learn more about that subject. That's my homework for tonight. And being a good regulator of your own knowledge and your own journey is is pretty rewarding. And I learn something new every day. I still have to consult my book. I'm like, that's a new disorder. I haven't heard that treatment plan or whatever it might be. And that keeps me excited and looking forward to a long career in medicine and education. Yeah. And let me ask you about how have you seen yourself grow and innovate as a teacher? Mm-hmm. So... And it's kind of sad, like my identity, like we don't identify ourselves so much as like natural educators or someone that went through a training. Most people go and get their teacher degree. Everyone I work with, we were just full-time PAs that liked this aspect of the um, of the field and chose to be whether part-time or full-time and get more involved. And it's it was tough to begin with because we know the medicine from the practitioner standpoint, but how do you educate that? So we've taken a lot of the lessons that we learned as ourselves from the student perspective. This didn't go great when I learned it. How could I learn this in a better way? And how can I teach it so you can learn it in a better way? So we've taken the best parts of our old previous programs, our own experiences, and put those together into what we're, what we're pretty proud of for our curriculum, the best of the best. And we kind of think, either omitted things that didn't go so great or we've transformed them in a way that while they might be required, let's make them as beneficial as possible. But it's a growing process. My first year, I was just, um, again, building that plane while flying it. And um, But that's part of being a practitioner of medicine is you need to be flexible and push out of your comfort zone a little bit and be able to accept the criticism. Hey, could we do this a different way? Maybe EKG lecture this week before this topic might help a little better. So we do a lot of feedback. The students will say they do a lot of surveys, and that's part of the incentive of being part of a new program is they do have a say in how this this program will develop over the time and what might be better for future generations of um, trainees. And maybe you could educate us a little bit uh, and help us understand more about the role of physician assistant because it is a very fast-growing uh, occupation in healthcare. What is it that you are preparing your students for in terms of the world they're stepping into and how they're going to have to function as a PA? 
Sure, definitely happy to answer the question because like you said, it's a it's a growing profession. And I mean, in respect to medicine, it's a, a new profession. I mean, despite being like known since the the mid 60s, it's still not everyone knows this PA is not a household name. And everyone knows, oh, that's my doctor, but they might not know, oh, that's my PA. And I think preparing my students, I can go through like, oh, what body systems we learn, how many hours you spend learning, but ultimately teaching them how to be critical thinkers. Because I feel like undergrad education, it's a lot of courses you take because you might want to, you might have to, you test the knowledge and you might not remember it. You didn't learn it a way that was retainable. And really teaching them how to be critical thinkers. They need to have the basic knowledge down of a medical disorder. Who gets it and why? What are the risk factors? How are they going to present? Um, what is the basic pathophysiological process? That's where you guys come in. And um, how how can I recognize this clinically? How can I recognize these disorders with diagnostics? And how do I treat these people? But also, how do I educate them on how this happened or how this um, how can we prevent this from happening in the future? So look, those core staples of um, bedside medicine are installed in all of our, our lectures and our contact with our students for the various disorders we go through. And it very much follows a traditional, what we call the medical model, like what med school would do. So we're body system based. Right now, my students, the new class is studying hematology. So we're learning all those anemias and heme-based malignancies, and we'll carry that knowledge forward through the various different body systems. And essentially, I want them to go the clinical phase with the basic knowledge so they can start applying that knowledge to real-life patient scenarios under supervision with their preceptors. And then essentially, when they're done with that year, you're ready to be an entry-level PA, see patients um, pretty autonomously. And as you're learning, you will consult your um, collaborating physicians. They may oversee a certain percentage of your work or your charts, but essentially you are taking the role of a physician, helping them see more patients. I work in surgical specialty. And while my surgeons are in the OR, we're seeing the patients in the, in the ER, the consultations, any ICU issues. And if there's something that is above or beyond my scope where I want to have confirmed, I'm there just a phone call away or just down the hall can go, hey, this is what's going on. Just wanted to keep you in the loop. But really the critical thinking aspect is what we try to do with case-based um, learning in real life situations, just because that's, that's tough to teach and you can't learn that from a textbook. Yeah, for sure. So what do you think is next uh, for you and, and for your program when you look down the road five years? Mm -hmm. So five years, every day we're working toward that steady state. This is the beginning of our third year and our cohort sizes have grown and we have um, students that have just started. We have students six, uh, like, 14 months in, and then we have students that are about to graduate. So keeping them all on track toward graduation and learning while also trying to establish our roots here in the community. I think getting our curriculum at a steady state, which is pretty much at now, will give us more time to focus on scholarship research. We're part of the University of Michigan, which is a research heavy institution. And so um, that'll be something that we're going to look into, one, for betterment of our own knowledge, as well as um, toward promotion and getting more PAs involved in research because it's not a PA heavy specialty is, is research focused medicine or just research in general. And I think building more and more sustainable community involvement, we have our students going out to a, a, a community center where they're at risk youth go after school and they can be mentored and taught things, take lessons and just see people to ask questions for and it's very ranging from like very young, like elementary school toward high school age. So that, that, that has been awesome. 
And now that the COVID restrictions have been lessened, we have more and more ability to go out there, educate the community. So I'm seeing a lot more community involvement because I don't know how familiar with you or the listeners are with Flint, Michigan, but it does have its issues as a um, like a poverty stricken city that was once um, automobile, automobile heavy and uh, those jobs have shifted. So there's been a lot of issues down there that we'd like to start from the, the ground up and really work on patient education and advocacy, community medical disease prevention, all these things that we can kind of long-term see improvements in our community here. Terrific. So as you know, we're a teaching company and we love to fill knowledge gaps. Um, and we're just wondering if there's any topic that you'd like to educate us on that you think everybody ought to know. Hmm. Well, I've been, I've definitely used the osmosis um, features for each body system. It's, it's a big part of our, our, our baseline anatomy and physiology education, as well as the pathophysiology component, kind of seeing an animated um, active learning for what we talked about in class is helping a lot of my visual learners. So I love, I love that part. And I wish I had this when I was in school, it would have made <laughs> things a lot more, it wouldn't make it easier, but it would have made more sense. And in terms of knowledge gaps, I think the biggest one I had made a mental note to bring up was again, um, working on critical thinking. How do I, that's the hardest part of the job, I think, is I can learn all the medicine and the facts of this disease XYZ. But when I come, when it comes down to it, applying that information. So I think like the clinical year resources you guys provide are very helpful and kind of diving into that as much as possible is, okay, you've learned how to diagnose hypertension, but how do you practically do this? And that's by testing yourself with case situations and learning from every single clinical interaction you have, even if they you're, you're seeing them for their gout on their toe. Well, they have hypertension. What meds are they on? Does that make sense? Is that backed by evidence-based decisions and really learning from every single encounter? So I think if there's videos that can highlight critical thinking or saying, is this patient big sick or little sick? Is this something, and again, that's prioritizing tasks is a big part of um, how our exams and our board exams are focused. Okay, you recognize that this isn't a medical emergency. What is the next best step? That's a hard test question to answer because there might be more than one right answer on that test. And that's the transition I see from undergrad to grad school is, but there's two good answers. Yes, but one is better than the other in this particular situation because we are teaching you how to treat patients, not how to treat a textbook case. And that is something that I think we can work on. And even the undergrad years is more critical thinking, analyzing the situation and applying your knowledge with your best judgment to get to an answer rather than just plugging and chugging information and regurgitating it to me. That does you no good on the clinical side. Very wise words. Speaking of wise words, so uh, we also like to have, ask our guests for the advice that they give medical students. This is a, obviously a tough time to be in medicine. Uh, we're still in the pandemic and so much has changed in the last couple of years. So how are, how are you counseling them about approaching their careers at this time? Sure. And definitely, yeah, it's still heavily involved in the pandemic and that has changed, I think, things in forever, some in good ways and mostly in, in bad ways. But um, here we are still doing the good fight and the, the job hospitals, clinics, we don't get to close. We're still here. People will still get sick. So we must continue on. And I think my advice was the same before the pandemic was just be, fe be flexible. This is a job that you want black and white. You want the diseases to make sense, black and white. What is the treatment? There's different options. Okay. That's not how I learned in school. There's supposed to be an answer for this question. So be flexible, be flexible in the transition from undergrad to grad school. 
I have very good students that are pretty humble on their first couple of exams, not because they're bad students, because it's a, a great quantity of information coming at you very fast. And we're asking you to critically think your way to an answer, not just tell me this is the most common disease cause. Why did they get that disease? Why are they presenting this way? How do you manage it? Those are difficult decisions to make for the, the new learners. And even well down the line, if you need to learn how to be flexible, your what worked for the first six months might not work for the second six months. So we really, I recommend like looking into what your learning styles are, how you might take advantage of things like these, um, these animated videos and narrations. Do you learn from um, test questions? And you can gauge your understanding of the conditions. So being flexible is probably the main thing. Reminding yourself that you are good enough to be here we don't pick people we expect to fail. I want to see you succeed and because your success is our success and it means better outcomes for your patients and my future patients. And so sometimes you need that that reminder, why, why am I here? And it comes down to the patients and really being there for the patient. And sometimes you're all they have. If you're the PA in a rural town or small clinic, there may be no physicians that practice there and you're it. So you're really their best access to quality of life and counseling them, educating them, making them their own advocates as well. We're happy to do it for them, but they should take on some of the responsibility and ask the questions. And sometimes they need some encouragement. Yes, you're on this medication. Do you know why or do you know how this works? I draw things on the patient bed all the time. This is how your heart works. And this is what this this, um, this blood pressure pill is helping with your heart. And because like hypertension, that's a silent disease. I felt better. I stopped taking it. Well, then I failed you. I didn't educate you as to why you're supposed to be taking this medication. So really reminding yourself why you're here and it's for the patients because burnout is tough. It's a tough time for any field, especially in medicine. We're no, we're no uh, less busy than we were before and oftentimes have fewer resources than we once did. And so like the burnout is real at the practice level. The students are tired. They're learning and kind of reminding yourself what you came here to begin with for. And so those close relationships with your friends, your classmates, your family, take some time, breathe, and then repeat on Monday. Those will be the, the main things is remind yourself why you're here and be flexible to the learning process. Great. So as we wrap up here, um, any final thoughts or any other shout outs you want to give to folks you haven't mentioned yet? Hmm. Well, definitely a shout out, like I said, um, to my, my late grandparents. I appreciate all the lessons they gave me along the way and I'm still learning from them. And, um, and for my mother, she's, my biggest cheerleader and I, I don't like to brag about anything and she really has to pry information out of me. So she's like, Oh, what's going on at school? Oh, I, I got this award thing from osmosis. Oh, what's that about? And then I find out that within 24 hours, the entire family across the country knows about it. I'm like, Oh geez. Okay. Well, that's embarrassing, but okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, no, I think a shout out to the students. They're the reason I get up in the morning. The re- reason I go home at night. Um, education is more work than clinical practice was, even though, I practice in neurosurgery. This job is harder. And it's because it's seven times a week kind of job. And we're here for our students and we want them to succeed. And again, I'm very proud of them. And I'm excited to have a long career working alongside them in Michigan for those that choose to stay in the state and practice in Detroit or um, up north in the rural areas. And it's, um, it's an exciting process. I still have a lot to learn and I'm hoping for a nice long career as an educator, as a provider, and hopefully as a mentor for students and future students. Well, Professor Moore, I have to say it's uh, pretty obvious to see why you were nominated for this award and won it. And uh, we want to thank you 
so much for joining us and wish you the best in the coming year. And thank you for the work you do to train the next generation of healthcare professionals. No, thank you so much for your kind words and just offering things like these for the other healthcare providers as well, PAs included, um, because it, it says a lot about the program and your respect for the medical professionals and the hard work that they're doing out there every day, because that's the one thing that the, the nurses, the PAs, the NPs, the docs, they're not getting enough of the thank yous. We don't expect it. It's never expected, always appreciated. And so any recognition goes a long way besides a, a hospital-inspired pizza party. That gets old pretty quick. But we appreciate <laughs> these things. Again, it shows the remind us of the big picture and why we're doing what we're doing, and we're happy to do it. Well, that's great. Thank you for that. I'm Michael Carice. Thanks for checking out this special episode of Raise the Lion. And if you want to learn more about the other faculty award winners from 2022, you can check out osmosis.org forward slash faculty dash awards. And also, as always, remember to do your part to raise the line, strengthen the healthcare system. We're all in this together. If you like this podcast, please share it on your social channels. You can also subscribe to the series and check out all of our episodes at osmosis.org slash raise the line podcast. <laughs> <laughs>